Galatians chapter 5. We're going to finish up that chapter and hopefully get done next week with Galatians. I hope you haven't been bored with this book. It's a, it's a, it's a blessing. It's been a blessing to me. Um, you have an outline there. And please, if you, if you can refrain from this, I know it's difficult. I know it's hard. But if we can refrain from realizing that it's getting close to the hour to depart, just give, just give God a little extra today, if you will. And, uh, and, and I just believe that you'll be blessed because of it. Well, in our text this morning, we're going to see that the spirit and the flesh are at war with one another. The spirit has one appetite. The flesh has another appetite. We have different appetites here today. And guess what that's going to create? It's going to create conflict. Now, I know we've never had anything to do with conflict Anyway, nobody, you, you probably know what I'm talking about when I say conflict. I think we all are very familiar with that. So follow along there in your copy of God's Word. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, beginning with verse 16. Here's what it says. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And now he lists these acts of the sinful nature. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, Envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this, some translations say, those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now he turns and changes here, here, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. The word of the Lord. And Lord, we do thank you for your word. We pray now as we look into it for a few minutes together. I pray that you would speak to our hearts, show us what it is. You want us to learn and leave here with today. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. I hope you keep your Bibles open right there to that text and keep your notes there. So fill in some blanks if you will. As we see right off the bat there, verses 16 and 18, we see Paul that as he expresses, get this now, the nasty warfare that rages between our, your and my desperately sinful tendencies, get this, to do wrong, and the Holy Spirit's work to pull us towards being obedient and doing what's right. The person we were before we became a Christian, before Christ entered into our heart and into our life, that same, that same uh, scenario that person that we once were, pre-Christian, pre-conversion, 
tries to continue to get hold of our life in Christ and trip us up. And you think about it. But think about this. We're free in Christ. We, we talked about this all through Galatians. We're free in Christ. But what is our old flesh constantly doing? He's constantly challenging our freedom that we have in Christ. Therefore, get this, therefore in order for us to grow in Christ, this is what we must do. We must take deliberate, intentional action against the flesh that daily demands our attention. Who are you listening to? What voices are you hearing? And as we go through this, these characteristics of these two natures, I hope, I hope that we're in line with the fruit of the Spirit. Verse number 16, it says right off the bat, So I say, live by the Spirit. And what does that say to us? That simply says, Paul said, look, let, let, let we were to allow our conduct, let our conduct be directed by, led by the Spirit of God. See, here's the deal. The issue is control. Two things battling for our attention. God and evil, if you will. But here's the solution. The solution is surrender. The issue is control. The solution is surrender. And that surrender means that we have to surrender to the Lordship of Christ. He's got to own and, and be in charge of every part of us. See, there's an internal war going on. If you're a believer here this morning, you know exactly what I'm talking about. As soon as you get out of bed, that war, that battle begins. John Calvin, the great Protestant reformer, put it this way. The spiritual life, I quote, the spiritual life will not be maintained without a struggle. Disobedience and rebellion against the Spirit of God pervade the whole nature of man or overtakes the whole nature of man. If we will obey the Spirit, we must labor and fight and apply our utmost energy. And we must begin with self-denial. Remember Luke there in, in Luke chapter 9 and verse 23? It goes right along with what John Calvin was talking about. The way Jesus described that you and I as Christians are to come after him. What did it say? That we are to let Satan have his way in our life? No. It says that we are to deny ourselves. Deny ourselves. Go back and read Luke 9, 23. And verse 17 tells us just how fierce this battle is. Look at it. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other. Now, you need to get this if you don't hear anything the rest of the day. Get this. I must say this to us. I come in contact with many people throughout a week's time. And I hear this more often than anybody. Preacher, I'm, I'm, I'm a little unsure of my salvation because of this constant struggle with sin. I remind them and I remind you, if that is you, stop doubting your salvation. You say, why? <coughs> because of this. The very fact that you even care about the struggle 
indicates that the Holy Spirit is working in your heart and in your life. Now, when you get to the point where you can sin and it doesn't bother you, then you can begin to worry. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who knows in you, excuse me, who works in you and in me to will and to act according to his good purpose. So remember, Christian, if the Spirit of God were not fighting this battle on your and my behalf, you wouldn't care a bit in the world about sin. So Paul here gives us two very, very, very sharp, contrasting pictures. Like two military forces on the opposite side of the battlefield, if you will. On one side, we have the acts of the sinful nature in verses 19 to 21 that I just read. On the other side, we have the fruit of the Spirit. Now, let's notice. Did you notice that there are more acts of the sinful nature as compared to the fruit of the Spirit? I think it's like 15 to 9. And then Paul is interesting. In the end of verse number 21, Paul's end, Paul ends the list with this phrase, and the like. And the like, meaning that he could have listed a whole lot of other things too, but he just stopped there. You're probably thinking, man, that's, that's enough bad stuff. I'm going to stop right there for a while. So the list could have gone on. But here's something else I want us to notice. It says the acts of the sinful nature. When Paul says the acts of the sinful nature, I want you to notice something else. That not all of these things are necessarily actions. But they can be attitudes. So let's break it down just a little bit and look at some of these characteristics. In verse 19, we have three words uh, having to do with the work of the flesh in the area of sexuality. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery. If you don't know what that word means, it's simply uncontrolled sex. Debauchery. Verse 20, two words having to do with religion. Idolatry which is an inadequate substitute for God, anything we put above God, and then witchcraft. And then in verses 20 and 21, you can follow there in your list, we find eight words that describe how the flesh, our actions, our attitudes, destroy relationships. Four words. Look at these four destructive attitudes. Selfish ambition, envy, jealousy, hatred, Four more words in those same verses that describe the result of having those attitudes. This is what results when we have selfish ambition, envy, jealousy, hatred. Discord occurs. Being argumentative. Not easily agreeing on things. Fits of rage, out which are, which are outbursts of anger. Dissensions, divisions among people and among groups of people. Factions, which we could say are little cliques, if you will. And then the last two words that don't really need any explanation, drunkenness and orgies. Now look at verse 21. After he gives that list, in the very last part of verse 21, he says this, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this, those who practice these things, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, we need to be clear on something here. Paul's not talking about an act of sin. We, we all sin, do we not? I think we would be, we, 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 we'd be lying if we said we didn't. We, we all sin. But what Paul is talking about here 
is making sin a habit. Something that you practice. Something that you want to get good at. Where a person abandons himself, abandons herself to a lifestyle, to a lifestyle of habitually dominated by these actions and attitudes. Paul's point is this. That these habitual attitudes and actions describe a person who is not in the family of God. Those who practice those things. Because we know, it's a no-brainer, that those of us who know Christ and those people all throughout the world who are Christians and have a personal relationship with Him, we're eager to avoid doing those things. We're eager to avoid practicing those things. And, and not only are we to avoid these things, but we're to put on display, get this, we're to put on display a different set of characteristics known as the fruit of the Spirit. So let's talk about that just for a moment. And see, as I read the fruit of the Spirit, don't you agree with me that God wants us to put on display every single day of our lives that fruit, that bunch of fruit? And isn't it interesting that, that, that Paul begins that list with the word love, L-O-V-E? How interesting. And he ends it with self-control. And if you take away love and you take away self-control, guess what? We fail on all the rest of them. You see, all the other fruit is really an outgrowth of love. Love, get this, love and joy together. Produces peace. Love and joy together produces peace. That peace that passes all understanding. Those qualities are the Godward aspect. Then there's the manward aspect, which is patience, kindness, goodness. What are those? Those are simply acts of love. Love in action. Putting patience and kindness and goodness to work. You see, because the Christian who is patient will not wish difficulties or hardships on those who oppose him. He or she will be kind, even with the most offensive person. We've dealt with people like that before. And here's what I was thinking this week. You know, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be a difficult thing to try to live out these qualities and try to exemplify and put on display these qualities? without love, without the power of the Holy Spirit living within us. And then the final three qualities are self, or the selfward aspect. Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. See, church, the, the, the work of the Spirit in our lives, the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, is to do what? Is to make us more like Christ. To make us look and act and think more like Christ. For his glory, not for the praise of men. Doesn't matter what other people say. That brings to mind the importance of the cultivation of the fruit. Paul says here, it's very clear, that the atmosphere must be right for the fruit to grow. Think about fruit. Uh, we don't have orange trees in, in South Carolina. We don't grow oranges, do we? Or, 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 or any of that exotic type fruit as he grows at other places. The, the climate has to be just right 
I think Paul says all that to remind us that the climate has to be just right for the fruit of the Spirit to grow in your life and in my life. And that climate, you know what it begins with? It begins with this, verse 25. When we live and walk by the Spirit. Meaning that we are to keep in step and not lag behind Jesus Christ. We keep in step with it. Don't, don't lag behind. Don't get ahead. So what does that involve? It involves the Word of God. It involves the Word of God. It involves prayer. It involves praise. It involves worship. It involves fellowship with God's people. Let me tell you something else it means. It means that we may have to get in that old garden and pull out some weeds in order for the Word of God to have its way in our life. In order for praise and worship and fellowship to take place. Now we haven't mentioned these Galatians that Paul was writing to. But I want to say this about them. Remember the false teachers and the Judaizers that were trying to dupe them into believing these Christian Galatians that that you had to have uh, that you had to live by the works of the law. You had to live by the Jewish law in order to be saved. And Paul says, "Look, that's not the case." But these false teachers, these Judaizers, they were they were wanting praise and they were wanting vain glory. And what was that leading to? That was leading to competition and division in the church. A place where competition and division has no place. You see, we as Christians, we don't put on display the fruit of the Spirit that we just read for our own consumption. But to help others. To encourage others. In order for others to be fed, to be helped. How many people do you know today, and I'm sure you can name some, that are starving for love, joy, peace. And we put on display the fruit of the Spirit in order for God to be glorified. Remember, it's not about us. So how can the fruit of the Spirit take root in our hearts and be produced in our lives? Look at verse 24. I'm going to wrap it up here. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. So how can root, how can the Spirit take root in our life? First, by remembering who we belong to. We belong to Christ. We belong to Jesus. If we're Christians. And because we belong to Christ, by remembering we have crucified the sinful nature. We've crucified Will we sin? Absolutely. Will it be our practice to sin? Absolutely not. And then I love verse 26. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. So here we have, here's the conclusion of the matter. It says, two contrasting pictures. Which picture would we be in? If we had to take a, take a snapshot, evil desires, desires of the flesh, fruit of the Spirit, where would we see ourselves? Two contrasting appetites. Which appetite are we satisfied? The acts of the sinful nature, the fruit of the Spirit. And as the title of the message goes, and we'll end with this question, 
am I in step with the Lord? Pray with me. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the message. I pray now, Lord God, if any of us need to do business with you today, Lord, if we find ourselves more in the category of the act of the sinful nature as, a, as opposed to the fruit of the Spirit, I pray, Lord, that we would look to you and get ourselves out of that group and into the group where we possess the fruit of the Spirit. Lord, my prayer is that each one of us can say without a shadow of that that we are walking in step with you. Lord, if we're not, I pray that this very day that person or those people might get things right with you. We pray in your name. Amen. I hear from dedication number three, uh, excuse me, 235, 235. Let's stand as we say. Thank you.